This podcast and others are brought to you by everythingvoluntary.com. Voluntary principle states that all human relations should happen by mutual consent or not at all. This podcast aims to promote respect for the voluntary principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Everything Voluntary. Are you curious about unschooling? Visit unschoolingdads.com. There you will find interviews and testimonials by many unschooling dads. You may also download the book for free or purchase it in paperback. Hello, welcome to the podcast. January 30th, 2021 is today's date. In this episode, I'm going to read and add commentary to two of my essays as I do. The first one is from August 2011, and the second is from May 2018. Okay, this first one from August 2011 is titled, When Does Law Become Criminal? When Does the Law Become Criminal? Okay, here we go. If you've ever criticized taxation in front of an average statist, be them liberal or conservative, you know that it quickly turns awkward. They insist that taxation is necessary for certain services and that they're happy to pay it. They sometimes even assume you're advocating not paying taxes. Then the conversation turns towards a discussion on the merits of obeying the law. We are just supposed to obey the law, people say. My fellow Mormons are even more insistent on this, throwing out the knee-jerk 12th article of faith reaction. We're We're supposed to support government and obey the law. We are supposed to be good little citizens. If we don't like the law, we can write a letter to our congressmen or run for office ourselves, etc. But what about when the law becomes criminal? What, you don't believe the law can be criminal? You say, taxation isn't criminal. Government interventions in my business transactions isn't criminal. The state deciding what I can or can't consume isn't criminal. No, not at all. We've all tacitly consented to the social contract that legitimizes the government that passes laws that create taxation, interventions, and consumption laws. At what point would you begin to question the legitimacy of the law? If everything the government does is kosher, then can it ever do wrong? You would think not. It can steal, i.e. tax, with impunity. It can control our consumption. It can insert itself into every one of our relationships or interactions with others. It can even force us to fight its wars. It can do no wrong, you see. Or can it? Surely your average liberal or conservative statist would be horrified if their government started killing all but one of their children, or if the government started requiring your entire income, leaving you with food stamps and housing vouchers, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they be absolutely horrified? They would, and rightly so. The government has become a criminal gang. Before, with its minor taxation and inflation and economic interventions, we were okay with it. We blithely assumed that tacit consent and the social contract kept us all fat and happy. The government was there for our good, but it wasn't. It never was. There's no such thing as a social contract. Authority must be explicitly granted, and few people living today have explicitly granted power to those who exercise authority over them and dissenting others. 
Every state today is illegitimate for the majority of the people it rules over. Only when their laws, already criminal, become obviously criminal do people see the illegitimacy of the state. Don't wait for that. It could be too late. Take the time now to study the origin and nature of the state. Free your mind from its control, first and foremost, and then you will be free. You will have changed your mentality. You will see the state for what it is, and you will understand why it's important to obey its laws. Not because they are good and right and legitimate, but because if you don't, you will either wind up in a cage or dead. Okay, that's the end of that essay. If you can't tell... (laughs) If you can't tell by this point, I was a full-fledged anarchist. Not quite calling myself a voluntarist like I do today, but an anarchist. Probably an anarcho-capitalist or an anarcho-libertarian or a libertarian anarchist. Uh, yeah, all those, all those uh, match. An austro-anarcho-libertarian, I suppose. And I was really, I really liked this essay when I wrote it. I thought, I thought I made a very good point. And, and it's one that should not be forgotten. Okay. You can use this, you can use this quite easily when you're in conversation with people. Okay. Well, you're, you're somebody, if you're like me, you're offended by most laws. And the laws you're not offended by, say laws against murder and robbery and rape, you're offended by how they're enforced. Okay, and the and the outcome of that, the outcome of how they're enforced is not to seek justice and restitution, but it's to further create injustice through the maintenance of a prison system, right? Born by the victims and new victims who are forced to maintain that, right? So even even the laws we like, right? Even the laws against aggression uh, end up themselves becoming criminal in their enforcement. Okay, there, there is nothing redeeming about the state from our perspective. It all, it all offends us, right? Other than when it, it limits itself or it removes its own power, which is extremely rare. It happens. We can, we can celebrate that when it happens as a fluke. <laughs> but, but most people are not totally offended by the state like we are. Most people like a lot of what the state does. So they'll tell you about all the things they like that it does. Okay, fine. But ask him the question, what would the state have to do for you to be offended? And what would the state have to do for you to start to question the legitimacy of the state? There's a lot of people right now, this year, last year, and this year, last year, 2020, who have been offended by state action. Everybody who's upset with the lockdowns all over the world, everybody who's upset with uh, police racial injustice, everybody who's upset with um, election fraud, not only in this country, but Russia, everywhere else, everybody who's offended by what's happening to the Uyghurs in China, what's happening with the farmers in India, what happened with, uh, you know, the yellow jackets, I guess, in France. The last couple of years, uh, Hong China and Hong Kong, the last couple of years, you have seen populist uprisings and protests all over the place. More and more people are being offended by what the state, their, the, the state that claims authority over them, are doing with that authority. And I think that's a really good thing because there will always be some percentage of those people who will go a little further. They will be offended by what the obvious 
state-based offense is in front of them, a lockdown or, uh, you know, what's happening in Hong Kong or the farmer protest in India or what's going on with Putin right now and Navalny, right, his opposition, that, that growing unrest happening right now in Russia, there's some percentage of these people that will, that will dig a little bit further and at some point they will realize that it's all a charade. It's all a con. It's all a grift. It's all criminal. Everything the state does is criminal by its very nature. Why is it criminal? Because it initiates force, i.e. commits acts of aggression against innocent and peaceful people. That's why it's criminal. That's what a crime is. It's the initiation of force against peaceful, innocent people. It's aggression. Crime is aggression. Coercion is aggression. The initiation of force is aggression. So, you know, people who are defending the government say, look, is, you know, you can just say right now, today, is there anything your government does or has done that offends you? And then use that to, 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 to pull, to pull that, try making that larger, connecting it to other injustices. And sooner or later, an honest person who doesn't bury their head in the sand will see the state for what it is, a gang of thieves writ large. Which brings us to my next essay. This one is called Technology Kills the State Over and Over, and it's from May 2018. The state is a bandit gang writ large, wrote economist and historian Murray Rothbard. This is demonstrably true due to the inability for people who call themselves the state or government to produce any factual evidence that their rules, including the rules to give them money or else, apply to anybody they claim to have jurisdiction over. Like any other criminal enterprise, they operate within a certain temporal context. The tools they weld, wield are limited to current state-of-the-art technology. The first states probably used what everyone else used to hunt, sticks, stones, bows, etc. Right? The first uh, gangs, <laughs> bandit gangs. <laughs> Later states added swords and axes, then rifles and cannons, and today's states use high-powered guns, missiles, and bombs, and drones, and nukes. If we identify a state as not only the particular time and place in which they operate, but also by the tools they use, then what is revealed over and over again are the many ways in which technology has killed the state. For example, hypothetical state A sticks, state A sticks, enforced its claims of jurisdiction by sticks and stones. At some point, swords were invented, giving state A sticks victims more power to defend themselves. In order to maintain their rule, State A sticks was abolished and immediately replaced with State A swords. Had State A sticks not been abolished and replaced with State A swords, it likely would have been ineffectual and eventually gone away. Swords made State A sticks obsolete, and so the only way to survive was to replace itself with State A swords. State A sticks was killed by technology. Once guns were invented, State A swords became obsolete and its survival depended on abolishing State A swords and replacing it with State A guns. At each point, the state is made obsolete, then killed off, then replaced. The same type of analysis applies not only to states, but to any other organization that operates within a certain temporal context. The Catholic Church operated on the basis of keeping scripture away from the layman. Once the printing press was invented and scripture was distributed, the Catholic Church, as it was then known, was made obsolete, then killed, then replaced. Organizations 
that refuse to recognize how they've made obsolete, how they've been made obsolete, will fail to kill the way the organization operates and then replace itself using the tools necessary to continue operating. This necessarily applies to states, churches, businesses, charities, etc. Technological progress makes old ways obsolete, and survival depends on technological adaptation, if possible. The Catholic Church, as a monopolizer of reading scripture, could not survive without a campaign of bloodshed against all non-permitted scripture producers and consumers, and likely would have failed at that. It survived because it killed its obsolete self and adapted the new technological environment. And I will add parenthetically, its power was thereby diminished. So what does this say about the state's future? To me, it says that the state will only cease to exist finally and permanently through technological change for which it cannot adapt. Taxi cartels are quasi-statist organizations. They will not survive the ride-sharing revolution. The day will come when we look back at taxi cartels like we do the dodo bird. Extinct. Technology is constantly killing organizations through obsolescence, and I hope one day the state will receive its final shot in the chest, so to speak, and be unable to replace itself. No violent revolution necessary. That will be a glorious day for advocates of liberty, peace, and prosperity. Okay, that's the end of the essay. I've got a really good graphic with this essay. It's a graphic of Uncle Sam. And he's got a bunch of surgeons surrounding him, and they're trying to shock him to restart his heart. <laughs> I'll link to this so you can see it. But this this was this was totally unplanned, using this article to follow the last one, right? I'm just going backwards in time and forwards in time, or backwards in, I don't know what I'm doing, but, oh, I'm coming forward in times from the past and backward from the present, so... August 2011, May 2018, I'm going to meet eventually meet in the middle of that, right, as I review these essays that I've written. So this was pure coincidence, but I think this essay following the last essay was very apt, right? We recognize, I hope, sooner or later, that all government action, all government law is criminal. So what do we do about it? Well, we can educate ourselves right? We can unplug from the matrix, if you will. We can take the red pill and we can help others down that path, which is not common. It's very rare. We can act uh, locally, politically, right? We can, we can try to influence our city councils. We can try to influence our state legislators. We can try to hold uh, the 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 so-called representatives who claim to represent us and rule over us, we can try to hold their feet to the fire and never let up. That's a collective action that is mostly outside of your control. All you can do is try to influence others to join you in some sort of action, right? And maybe what they do is so obviously criminal that that's easier to gain collective support for, right? Some cops kill some people and maybe they're the right color maybe they're the wrong color and you can you can you know you can get some act, some kind of action together for that you can protest you can you can try to publicly shame you can try to cancel you can try to uh you can you can then lobby and try to get your legislator to put in reforms right about body cameras or about use of force or even carrying guns or uh, civil asset forfeiture, war on drug, drug, drug war nullification. That stuff is happening. That's progress. 
Okay, that's that's the fluke that I talked about before when the state's removing its power out of those realms. But what also needs to happen, I think, is technological development. We've got to come up with ways of routing around the state. And there's been a lot of very interesting progress in that regard the last few years. There's been things like cryptocurrency, right? And the state is trying very hard to combat that and the use of that. There's things like BitTorrent. There's things like the Tor browser. There's, you know, VPNs. There's things like Mastodon, which is sort of a distributed, decentralized social media that's been in the works for a while now. Um, there's things like ZeroNet, which is supposed to be a de distributed, decentralized internet where you can set up a website and it's hosted piece, excuse me, piece by piece on servers all around the world. Uh, there's technologies like Telegram and Signal and ProtonMail, which will encrypt your communications. And the state, uh, probably everywhere, at least in the U.S. Is, is what I'm familiar with, the state is very much trying to fight that, right? They very much want to pass legislation and force these companies to put in these back doors for them, for the government to use in their uh, investigative capacity when they're investigating crime. Or, you know, it's never going to be limited to just investigating crime. It's going to be used for pre-crime purposes. So they may succeed at doing something, but then there will be some new app that will be a bit more decentralized, a bit more distributed that people will flock to, and that flock uh, encourages investment, and that investment uh, creates, um, you know, it expands the scale and scope of the product, right? So, this, so the state continues to battle technology, and technology continues to win. Or I should say, we continue to win. Trust me, we, pe the people are suffering huge losses everywhere from state action, no doubt. But we're also, we're also making some wins. And those wins should be highlighted. They should be celebrated. They should be utilized. Because it will, it will be the culmination of all of that. Like I wrote in this article, I truly believe it, that the state will eventually not be able to overcome some, some technology, some invention, some innovation that the people make. And the state will be forced to adapt. And through its adaptation, it will lose some of its power, just like the Catholic Church lost a significant amount of the power it had when the printing press was invented and scripture was distributed. There was an entire religious revolution called the Protestant Reformation that proceeded from that. The Catholic Church does not enjoy state-like state, state or state-based power that it used to enjoy. Now, there are uh, religions in some places in the world that do still enjoy state-based power, right? Places in the Middle East, China, I think probably qualifies as that, and other places where people aren't free. They just simply aren't. But there's progress being made, right? Literature is being translated and being, being funneled in through the internet and through USB sticks so that people get new ideas in their head and they start to see, they start to realize that the law they live under is criminal. They start to see that more and more, the more they read about these ideas. So that, that final death knell, I think, will happen at some point. And the state will have to adapt. And through that adaptation, it will probably be less powerful than it is today. And ultimately, at some point in the distant future, I think that the state will be made obsolete 
and it simply won't recover. We will have developed alternative dispute adjudication services, alternative currency services, financial services, communication services, welfare services, uh, defense services. We will have alternatives to everything that the state does, and the state will not exist as it's known today, if at all. Okay, that's going to do it. We read my essays, When Does Law Become Criminal? I'll link to this. And Technology Kills the State over and over. I thought this was a a fantastic pairing. All right, that's going to do it. Please remember, don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. And don't ask permission. Just do it. You want to do it? Just do it. Be careful out there. Thank you so much for listening and have a better day. Please send your comments or questions to everythingvoluntary at gmail.com. If you like this episode, please subscribe to Thinking and Doing, a podcast where I examine logical fallacy, cognitive bias, stoic teachings, and tips on being better at life. You can rate and review this podcast in your podcast app, and please share it with everyone you know. Please consider supporting this podcast and everythingvoluntary.com by setting up an automatic monthly donation at patreon.com forward slash EVC. One-time donations are also accepted at paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. voluntary.